All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Deep Dive into Nature of Sound, where I have Jesse Hill here with me, the creator and organizer for the Safe Haven Project. And I am your host, Hassan Sabak, the founder of Nature of Sound. So it's a pleasure to have you here, Jesse. Love being here, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'm just so excited to talk about a little bit about our program, what we're trying to do, and maybe a little bit of history about ourselves. I figured just to start off on where I met you, I think it was maybe like 2018 when you used to work at Blizzard when we went to the Hearthstone Summit because we were hosting Hearthstone events as a way to bring people together. We were hosting a lot of fundraisers, doing a lot of advocacy work, kind of raising the awareness about exploitation. And it just so happened a lot of the musicians and organizers and volunteers wanted to do something a little bit more chill. And just so happened that we were all big Hearthstone fans and we just started hosting Hearthstone events. And it was such a, I want to say, strange approach to Hearthstone, right? Because we were like advocating for this volunteer program to raise awareness about exploitation. And it was actually one of the best decisions we made because I just got to meet you. And I have to say, you're one of the best things that came out of that, being your friend and getting to know you and sharing our mission and just having you be a champion with us has really been such a privilege and honor. I appreciate that, man. It was a, it was a, it was a great program. Brought a lot of people together, created a lot of opportunities, met a lot of amazing people, but just being able to kind of share in that passion and stuff really fueled for these other projects we have going on now. So it was a, it was really great to get so many people involved and so many people playing, the, not just playing the game, but really bringing people together, kind of, especially with a digital game like that, being able to bring everyone into a physical space was something special. So the, the program was really, will always hold a, a nice little place in my heart. So. Yeah. I mean, you were well loved and just appreciated. I remember, I think it was the last summit that they had one of the attendees, Kelsey, if I recall, she gave you that award for just being an amazing community yeah. manager. And that was like super heartfelt and amazing to just be in that moment. It hangs on my wall, man. It's always a reminder yeah. of the impact that, that you can have on people, especially in a place like that where you're not seeing everybody face to face all the time. And a lot of your connections are done through emails or through different kind of messaging programs and stuff like that. But to to know the impact that I had on people was it, it was really special that was probably one of the biggest highlights of my entire career getting that and i keep it anytime i've moved to another role or anything like that i always have it with me so it's always a reminder of that even though i might be dealing with i think the innkeeper program got up to like a hundred and something thousand individuals who are running events globally and stuff to me it's that many but the impact one-to-one -one is, is big and so i always try to keep that in mind and it's also Kind of what inspires stuff like our safe haven program, just seeing that the impact you can have across the internet and the reach and just what all could happen in dealing with people day to day. So it's, yeah, keep it up as a reminder and it helps in those, those days where I might wonder why I'm doing this still, the frustrating times, it keeps me going. So, and you all signed it, which was amazing. And so I can always flip it over and just see everyone who was there and involved and Still, a lot of those people I talk to today, still friends with a, a bunch of you guys. And even when I was at Wizards, there was a guy there who was in another department who actually used to run fireside gatherings and knew me through the program. So as oh, I started wow. at the company, yeah, he messaged me. He's like, 
I don't know if you remember me, but you know, it was John, but he was, it was, it was just really cool to connect. So it's, it's a great connection to a lot of people and something that I will, will always be special to me. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you really were the face and passion <clears throat> behind that that whole whole thing. And I could feel it day one. I remember I sat down with you and started talking to you about everything that we were trying to do. And you were so interested in, I mean, you. I'm sure you had a lot of things to do that day, but you took the time to just hear about what I was doing. And that meant a lot to me because I grew up playing Blizzard games and that was the closest I ever got to collaborating and, and being a part of that ecosystem, right? And it was really surreal at the time. And you really made that experience. And I look back on it, and if you weren't there, I'm sure I wouldn't have had anywhere near a similar experience. I appreciate that. I don't want to say you wouldn't. There was a lot of special people that worked there, but um I'm glad I uh, impacted you in such a way. But yeah, it was you came with so much passion about what you were doing. It was hard not to listen to and hard not to get inspired <laughs> over. So that wasn't just me. It was, it's you. Matter of fact, I think you were the only one there in a suit on day one. So you kind of stood out as well and represented yourself well, but it was a lot of what you said kind of touched home with my background and where I came from and stuff and the goals someone can have and seeing that I know there was a lot of times that I didn't feel there was opportunities and people helped me along. And so seeing how passionate you were about helping folks really kind of touched home and made me want to be more involved. I mean, I appreciate that. And I, I, it's it's cool that we share in that passion of helping people. And I think we kind of recognize that really immediately. And it took a long time um, for us to get here, though, for sure. I mean, a lot of, a lot of planning, a lot of ideas, and um, a lot of turbulence, right, for both of us. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can't get enough of that turbulence, right? But I just want to, like, center in on some of the topics we wanted to go into today. I think, really, we wanted to talk about our reason behind the initiative and then our background with gaming. I know we kind of talk a little bit about yours, but do you mind just kind of going into um, the things you've done about organizing? I know you've done it on an international level, just for our viewers to just kind of hear from you. Uh, yeah, love playing games when I was younger, but I was a bit restricted on how much I could play. My parents were very much go outside. I didn't get to sit and play Nintendo, Super Nintendo when those came out. And I always wanted to be more involved with games. But as I got older and life happens, I had opportunities that kind of fell through and ended up. And while I was there, I got introduced to playing card games, TCGs. And through there, I it turned out I was actually kind of pretty good at them. And I ended up getting some sponsors who helped me play more, got me cards, and I represented them. And through... One of those sponsors, I met a guy, Dave, who worked at Blizzard. He had just gotten a job there, and he got me an interview, and that was kind of my launch into the uh, gaming space. I wanted to get more into developing games, and somebody had suggested Quality Assurance, QA, really see kind of the, the back end of gaming, how it works, and how it all comes together. So I started that, and shortly after going into QA, with my past being known, during the time I was playing card games, I organized a lot of events. I became a TO, which is tournament organizer. I became a judge. Primarily at the time, it was so I could know more about the games to try and become a better player. Little did I know it actually feed my career years down the road. Because of that experience, opportunities came up in esports, and I was able to work on a few projects there, including running the back end of World of Warcraft at some of the BlizzCons, which is a huge deal. And just because that's the world championship for that and getting to work with people 
in different regions and stuff that even when an opportunity came up that I could have applied to work for uh, dev, I didn't want to anymore. I'd found this whole new passion about working with people and just kind of helping them to share in those same passions that I had. And that was in community. And then when I got an opportunity to start running things with Fireside Gathering Program, and here's this group of just super passionate people that want to bring people in to play this game with them, couldn't pass, man. I was all over it. And it, it turned out to be a pretty solid fit. Led to me doing a lot of other stuff and start getting into writing more, doing new player guides and kind of connecting the game to the story and doing a lot of different fun things with the game. And all this just spurred more and more passion for it. Unfortunately, in 2019, Blizzard had their layoffs. I was lucky enough to get another job right after that with Pokemon. I was a player coordinator at Pokemon. I got to work with a lot of the high level players, handling like travel awards, payouts for tournaments, things like that. And that was a whole new realm. Pokemon works in age brackets. They have their juniors, seniors, and masters. And seeing these kids that eight, nine, 10 years old playing the game and just how, not only how excited they were, but how much support they got from their parents. I, I've talked with a lot of schools and stuff, and there, even to this day, there seems to be this ideal that video games will rot your mind or it's not worth it for kids to get into. And so seeing that level of support from parents just that whole community within Pokemon, how they supported each other and stuff was incredible and kind of pushed me towards, I think that's about time we started talking more about like, there should be more opportunities for kids like this. And then as I started checking around, it was just parents were very unsure about where their kids could go and what they could do. And the more you and I talked, it kind of came together that we could help build these spaces for children all the way up through adults, but help them find these safe places to play while also educating them on things they should watch out for. And even though I was working in a lot of card games and stuff like that, all my experience in working on video games really came to light that there's so much going on on the internet that parents are unaware of and they only hear the horror stories. And there's so much good that can come with it that they need to be aware of that too. And, but not, not directed by fear. There's an opportunity to educate people here and help them to understand what it is they should be watching for that, some of these stories they hear, while there might be some truth to them, some of them could be a bit embellished to make it seem like every time your kid's talking to some person online, it's some four-year-old person trying to kidnap them or something else. That's not the case, but it, there's a chance that maybe something could be happening. So we just really wanted to give parents more information, help them better understand what's going on so they could allow their kids to follow their passions, get into these games, have a great time. And then that expanded to well, we could also probably teach people at different game stores and uh, land centers and stuff like that. Like, hey, if you have this person doing these things, that's maybe something to keep an eye on. These are the proper steps to report it or to have it investigated, not to take it into your own hands. But and through doing that, just providing these really safe places for kids to sit and play and then and to connect with others who want to play, too, of all different ages and stuff. So it's it's mainly about educating people and helping to build these safe places for everyone to play together. Well said. I think that really plays into the importance of leading, focusing on the positive and not the negatives, because when you start to dig into those embellished stories, you really miss the mark on the importance because people are getting on video games to socialize, to experience things that are fun. 
I've made lifelong friends online. I still talk to today and I made them when I was young. And I think it's so important that we engage not just the youth, but the organizers and the parents, especially when we're working with disadvantaged youth, families that don't have the resources, the knowledge, or the opportunity to know how they can keep their kids safe on all these different platforms, because each platform is different, each game is different. And so that takes a lot of time that a lot of people don't have, or those barriers, those age barriers, they just don't understand the generational okay. gaps and stuff like that. And the, the information isn't always easy to hunt down, and those those worst-case scenarios kind of bubble to the top. So if somebody was to try and take the time to search things out, that's the first thing they're going to see. And while I, I agree everything in, in proper doses and stuff, I've seen kids that have not been able to play games and stuff just because their parents are worried about this or the other thing, or not even that. Kids not understanding the gaming space. A lot of the kids I work with, well, I want to be a streamer. And they think it's just a matter of sitting on stream and playing a video game. They don't understand the amount of work. I know streamers that 60, 70 hours a week to get their content out, just grinding and the different stuff they've had to learn. And it's this full-time job to try and make it. There's a really a big misconception about what it takes. And one, I think that what streamers do and stuff could be appreciated more, especially when it's not just being seen as, oh, you're just playing a video game. Because some of these streamers are just incredibly talented in the amount of stuff they need to know to do what they're doing, but also for kids to have a realistic expectation of what it's going to take. And just because you're not a streamer or just because you're not a game developer doesn't mean you can't be in the gaming industry. There's so many opportunities and so many things to do. Me, I didn't have an opportunity to go to college. And so I was worried. I was told for years, for 18 years, if you don't go to college, you can't do anything with your life. And that's not it. There's a lot of ways to follow your passions and to get into the things you want to do. So this is, that's what Safe Haven's all about encompassing, that information, that knowledge, and giving people opportunities and a path that they could follow to pursue the things that they really enjoy. Absolutely. I think that one of the important things about just kind of opening up the conversation is how do we get there, right? And how do we get the people's support, the community involved? It's really important that we focus getting these game shops involved because once we start educating and getting materials out there, they're going to be able to be that line of defense for the youth who are trying to go out and just have fun and understanding those inappropriate behaviors between an adult and a child. Not many people know that stuff, especially if you're not like if you don't have siblings, you don't you're not a parent and things like that. It's really important that everyone is trained because I, I went to one gaming shop when we were just first starting trying to uh, pilot this program. One shop was like, well, we don't we don't have kids here. And it kind of took me back because I was like, wait, what? It doesn't matter that you don't have kids here. You have parents, <laughs> right? We could be educating your parent, like the, the your clientele so that they can keep their kids safe. And a three-way back is just kind of like, okay, there's really a lot of nuance to this and a lot of misunderstanding because safety and gaming is not necessarily correlated as much as it should be. Gaming is generational as well. Usually if you have a parent who's a gamer, their kids turn out to be gamers of some sorts. It's just ways that people connect. So, And we've seen, especially over the years as the internet's developed and everything, that how things that we believed when we were younger get passed on. And you continue to 
believe these things because you've never had anyone challenge that. Simple habits and stuff as well. There a lot of misconceptions. And so this, by educating parents, they can pass that information down too. Even if the kids aren't there, if people are aware. And not only that, maybe that's not the only store that these patrons go to. If, if they're at this place and they learn something, then they go somewhere else and they're able to help in some way, then then we did it. That's what we're aiming to do. And that's that would be the big ideal is that everyone is informed enough to start identifying and helping things. And the other problem is not problem, but other challenge here is it, it's a scary topic to talk about when you do hear about these things, especially in the news right now with so much going on around exploitation and kidnappings and things like that. It's a, it's a very uncomfortable topic to talk about, but in a sense, it doesn't have to be. If, if it's a matter of just educating and making people aware of things to watch for and be careful of, then it's, it's something that they can just incorporate into their day to day. And it doesn't have to be this taboo topic that everyone's scared to address because if I don't address it, then it's not happening. Well, that's not the case. It's happening. It's just not being addressed in a way that everyone is aware. So they're not identifying or recognizing things. And especially in, in a lot of the tools we have nowadays where people can talk to anybody online grooming can be a big thing and and just it's not about again it's not about scaring anyone it's about informing so people can feel safe in their spaces and feel informed i feel like once you educate people on a trauma-informed response a more educated response they're not going to respond in fear and i think this is really important because if if it ever does happen to your child and you respond in fear, you're not likely to provide the best care to your child because you are in a state of fear and you're not going to think rationally and focus on what you really should be focusing on. I've been doing this for like 10 years and I've seen a lot of people get snarky when you bring up like exploitation and human trafficking and they go, this doesn't happen here, but it does. And it happens in so many different ways. There's so many variations. There's labor exploitation, there's sexual exploitation. That's always going to be a deeper topic to get into, but there's just so many caveats to how these things happen and really Focusing on education, creating those uncomfortable conversations is what makes us safer because you're more involved. You have the know-how, the knowledge in the access to resources because it takes a village, especially when it comes to overcoming trauma. A lot of gamers use video games to escape trauma. I mean, I know that was one of my outlets is just video games. I played World of Warcraft. I didn't know how to come to terms with the things that I had to endure as as a kid. And that was really why I got into advocacy and did all the work that I've been doing. It's just trying to make sure that there's a platform, that there is the things that I wish existed when I was young, right? And that's why we've developed this volunteer platform on Nature of Sound so that people get involved with all their creative interests and passions so that they can make social impact the way that they want to. Without, you know, my first volunteer experience, I went on vacation with my family. When I got back, they ridiculed me for leaving. And it was a volunteer. I'm like, what? What? 
you're not paying me. Like I went on vacation. This is like it was like winter break in high school, and that gave me such a bad experience with volunteering because it it gave me anxiety. Like oh did did I like was I just getting gaslit? You know, <laughs> and I wanted yeah. to make sure with this platform that we're able to look at ideas and solutions to issues that we're passionate about. And I feel like this program of Safe Haven is really one of the best examples of what this platform is gonna be able to do, is we're able to bring gamers, creatives together so that we can make impactful experiences in people's lives and keep them safer in the future. So people who are passionate about film, art, gaming, even coding, we have like development for apps and stuff like that. This is really an inclusive platform. And when you compare it to other like social entrepreneurship platforms that provide resources, it's super exclusive. It's like usually invite only, or you have to have like a certain type of status to get involved. I don't think that's the way to get a real movement that an average everyday disadvantaged person, right, can get involved in. People don't have those resources. People don't have that access. And so that was really my mindset in trying to build this platform to empower survivors. We have a lot of other survivors that I've worked with that we give them the resources, the tools to make sure that their story is heard, their vision. And we try to solve some of those issues in our community. And where I'm from, Solana County, which is in California near Sacramento and San Francisco, there wasn't many resources available for victims of human trafficking. And that was one of the big things that I found myself in is as a musician, we just wanted to raise awareness and we discovered there was this huge vacuum of access to resources, things that made sense that, that everyone has the right, should have a right to have access to shelter, access to rehabilitative services, therapy. I mean, we think about it like that just makes sense, right? And that's not always the case. And I think with Safe Even, this gives us an opportunity to bring businesses in to help fundraise for some of these services for the youth because trauma-informed care is not mandated. You can have access to services, but that doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. And I know firsthand seeing service providers not providing trauma-informed care. There's really no mandate. There's literally nothing that oversees the level of care that some survivors receive. I've heard stories where people are shamed for their struggle. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so I feel like this is an opportunity to open up the chance for gamers to make a difference in ways that was never available to them. Because gamers has always been a disenfranchised community, disconnected from their local community. Because what do we do? We're sitting in our rooms playing video games. And that kind of gives this negative connotation because though they're not involved in the real world or they're rotting their brains, like that is such a negative stigma that I believe that this program is gonna help remove. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yep. And that, that was another thing when we were discussing volunteers. The industry is changing in a way where before they wanted you to have schooling and now it's schooling or equivalent experience. 
And through this, as we get more and more, not just companies, but more and more people involved within gaming, we can start connecting people and then start having opportunities to actually do events and to work on certain projects and pull in knowledge from other people within the industry so they can get that experience. So if they want to break into gaming and that's in our eyes, all that's doing is now putting these experienced, educated individuals into the gaming industry who can help carry what we're trying to do here and progress themselves. So try to look at it as a win-win. We're, we're helping people get that experience. We're helping them learn and grow and become better in what they want to do, as well as helping to kind of spread the word of what we're doing. So it just something that hopefully provides opportunities all the way around, not just for people in the program who are looking for these safe places to play, but people who can go out there and kind of help educate people what to look for. So as programs are building, maybe they, they raise a hand and say, hey, if we do something like this, this is something to be concerned about and start making these companies aware of it as well, especially when it comes to, like you're talking about labor exploitation and stuff. Unfortunately, that's still a lot of that happens where a lot of kids in other countries and everything are just sitting and grinding and, and it doesn't get looked at because that's, everyone looks at the company that something's coming from and not necessarily where the resources are. So it's, yeah, we're, we're looking to really have every aspect of this be a way to make the overall industry better. Yeah, absolutely. Labor exploitation is the most underfunded aspect of it. And that definitely is true. There is kids that are putting in longer hours than a job, a normal job, just to make minuscule amounts of money. And there's a point where you're doing something for fun, you can't really control people, but there's also mechanisms that see that there's ways of making money through this exploitation. But I want to kind of focus on like, what is Safe Haven, right? For some of our viewers, we keep talking about it, like, really, what is it? And I think the best way I can say it is it's a network, right? It's an opportunity okay. for businesses to to learn. It's an opportunity for gamers to participate with our program. And we can just kind of create this network where we're able to build on educating youth, educating organizers, establishing policies and procedures that other organizations, other tournament organizers can follow to help make sure that gaming stays safer and advocating, right? Just what are some common sense things that some developers can probably implement? And I know there's already that conversation of how did they keep bad actors away from youth in video games? And you might have heard that certain people might get blacklisted from various different platforms, from acting a certain way on the game, talking to youth in a certain way. That's kind of like something that we're seeing happen. Yeah, absolutely. And not just youth, just how people talk to each other in general can definitely improve to some degree. There is still the an anonymity of the internet that people try and take advantage of because they, they don't know the person on the other line there and negativity spurs more negativity. And if someone was being talked to in such a way, they maybe think that's okay way to talk to others. And so it just spreads. So while there's the realistic idea that you can't ever really put a stop to all that, you're always going to have those bad eggs and stuff by having these more positive environments and stuff. It, it helps people to just learn what to let go, what to not deal with, where not to insert themselves so that they don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. But especially for kids, because kids pick up habits and they grow with that and it spreads throughout their friends. And this isn't with gaming. You don't want to 
I'm very much against the the whole idea of like, well, this game is too violent or that this game is, you know, too much like this. I think there's a level of information that needs to be provided. Like if, if your kid wants to play this new shooting game, having a conversation with them to make them understand that this is just a game. This isn't reality, proper ways to, to handle conflicts and stuff. It's not this. And so that way, every time a tragedy happens, I mean, every single time you see something in the news, it, there's always a group who's trying to bring it back to video games. And the truth of the matter is that if there was that kind of impact from gaming, we'd probably be seeing it more and there's not. And so that's another kind of stigma we want to get away from by creating these more positive environments. So if somebody comes in and say, oh, it's this game, people aren't so quick to jump on that train and go, actually, my kid plays this game, has great friends, has a great environment and does great things with it and is building towards something they love. And it's not this horrifying thing that people are trying to make to seem is corrupting people. Because it's not. Gaming provides, like you said, an outlet for a lot of people to deal with things. And every time it gets turned around like it's a super negative thing, it's a huge hit to the industry overall. And it's just really not fair, especially for the amount of passion, time, and everything else that goes into people playing and engaging. And like you said, the the friends you make and the, the people that you converse with. One of the things when I worked at Blizzard, one of the most exciting things for me to see, BlizzCon every year was the, the big convention that Blizzard held for all their games and they had a guild meetup and you see these people who have known each other for five, six, seven, ten years and have never met before getting the opportunity to finally meet. And it's like they've known each other their entire lives because they spend so much time playing together and it's all ages and they're just great friends. And that type of thing there is, is incredible to see when it gives people opportunity to expand themselves. I mean, the amount of stuff I've learned just from having friends in Europe, overseas, down in Brazil, and just learning about different countries and different things. It's full on helped my career because I deal with people globally. So learning how to not only talk and engage with others, but kind of their cultures and their customs and stuff like that, it's not something you would get in any other kind of environment. So there's just these amazing opportunities available within gaming that if somebody was to believe some of these, these negative things being said, that they're they're preventing themselves or their kids or anyone else from actually getting to experience those. And it's just, it's really, it's really sad. <laughs> so, and then not even just in the digital space, but in those physical spaces, Pokemon Go is a big one. I see every time there's a community event, you go down to the, the local store where there's a hundred people walking around on their phones playing and everything and, or every card shop out there. And this is where a lot of these uh, companies can come into play and really have an impact as well, too, is that if they start setting certain standards for these different, if you want to run a tournament, we just want you to be aware of these things or when we'll provide prizing for your people to learn and things like that, that they could really have a huge, huge positive impact on these type of things, this type of messaging and everything else. So it's really important to try and get everyone we can involved. And that goes back to, as people get into the industry more and more, we want to really kind of spread this message and make everyone aware because there's times where video games just get such a bad rap about things that have nothing to do with the actual games. There's so much positivity around them. It, it, it's We want it to be shared with everybody. I mean, there's like even studies that show that video games actually produces po like good results like in mental health it shows that people who play games are more 
happier and it maintains their mortar functions. There's like there's a lot of positives to video games and even puzzle solving, creative thinking, innovation. These are all aspects of how video games have a positive effect on us. And you can even see like players from Minecraft learning circuit boards and wiring and oh, all these like Minecraft. engineering aspects, right? blows my mind some of the stuff that people pull off in Minecraft when in that same aspect. Like I tell anybody, if you want if you want some counseling for your marriage, my wife and I play the the new Super Mario Brothers together. And I don't think there's a, a bigger test of a, a relationship than when your your wife throws you off the edge of a cliff but or chucks a shell at your head. But no, it, it's just it, we have so much fun together doing that. And then when my one of my kids come over and they see us playing and then they get into it and i've had my oldest son with his girlfriend they go they went and bought it just so they could play together and i post about it online and social and stuff and people see that and it spreads and they get super excited about it and see these days to interact and play and and it's just it's therapeutic it's a good way to sometimes it's better to just throw a turtle shell at them than it is to actually yell so but no it's it's just an opportunity and another way for people to connect and Again, if there was this, if it seemed taboo for my wife and I to play this game together, that's a, that's a really awesome moment we'd be missing out on. And I feel that in these spaces, a lot of people kind of lean towards that. Like, well, I'm not going to do that because I heard this thing or I saw this thing on the news or I read about this. Not always true. Or like you said before, it's just it there. It, it's rolled out to be bigger in the news than it actually is. And, and not to discount from actual things that have happened and stuff, but until we're getting proper information, it, we just want people to be as educated as possible. So Safe Haven, like you said, is, it, it's this network where people can share experiences, share ideals, help to educate each other, and just help to make gaming not just safer and better. There's times where certain games could seem like they're being gatekept to where you can't get into them because you're a new player and things seem so so over the top or so hard to get into or everyone's so into what they're doing. This isn't for me and, and we don't want that. We want it to be welcoming because without that, the games can't grow. And people love what they love these games so much. They love what they're doing. We want, we want that and to get it out there. And so it's about creating these opportunities as well and just bringing people together in the most positive ways that we can. Exactly, exactly. And I know as we start to wrap up, I just want to give like a, a call to action for everybody to get involved. We'll have a mailing list in the description. If you want to donate, we'll have a Patreon so you can be a part of financially helping this program and getting it off the ground. As a donor, you'd get access to these talks a bit earlier than the public. So there's just various benefits to participating and as a volunteer, as a donor. As a business, we want to make sure that businesses are recognized for being a part of this program, letting their staff get educated. We'll have in the future a map that shows all the businesses that are trained in online and in-person gaming safety. So it just really is creating this network of forward-thinking solutions about helping the future generation of gamers. Absolutely. I just kind of want to go into topics real quick that we'll be talking about in their next sessions. Just going more into creating safe spaces and education and gaming, community involvement, 
supporting survivors. Some of the collaborative efforts have some guest speakers. And then balancing entertainment and advocacy, right? It's how do we go about doing that? How do we create gaming experiences that promote advocacy? And then the future of gaming and the role of technology and inclusivity in gaming. And we want to make sure we engage with industry leaders. So we want to collaborate with devs, studios, community influencers, streamers. I think there's an opportunity for the whole the whole realm of gaming to get together on just a singular focus of making it safer. 100%. That's what it's all about. And and doing it in a way that I, especially with kids when you're trying to get some of this information across it's doing it in a way that I don't want to I don't want to be that parent and be like that's still cool but it doesn't have to be as that typical type of learning or anything else. It, it doesn't have to disrupt the fun they're having and what they're doing. It's just a way to be aware. And then to help parents too, to understand. So when their kids go into that local shop, they know it's a place where people are educated and know that their kids are going to be safe, not have to worry about things. So their kids can get to go enjoy the things they want to do. And then parents can do what they do while their kids are away and everyone's having having a good old time. So it also yeah, just Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're good, uh, I was just going to say, it's a, it's a way of keeping each other honest. Because 100%. when the participant organizers both understand the appropriate ways of conducting ourselves, it lets everyone have this understanding of what is wrong and what is right. And it may not be so simple. I'm not everyone understands grooming tactics. Not everyone understands what's an appropriate behavior between an adult and a child. Like, and not it's just, not so simple. And not just identifying those, but how to properly address them. We don't want this witch hunt where if somebody thinks something might be going a certain way and there's a misunderstanding, all of a sudden it's a witch hunt. Everyone's grabbing their pitchforks and going after somebody who wasn't doing, it was just misinterpreted or something along those lines. It's a, it's the proper process for getting these things dealt with. So if somebody sees something, they're, they're concerned, they know who to bring it up to. And then that person knows proper steps. And so you don't have claims being made against people not doing these certain things, or just because somebody who's an adult wants to go and play a game doesn't mean that they're, they're doing these things that somebody might think it's just somebody who is loving the game the same as anyone else is. So it, it, it's not just how to identify these things, but the proper ways to address them as well. So you're not, causing, yeah, you're not causing these panics and people flipping out or anything else. Cause there's, I've unfortunately in my career heard comments about this and especially, oh, it's a kid's card game or it's just a video game and stuff like that. And then you get adults who are looked down on for doing this because everyone thinks that, oh, it's this kid thing, not realizing that. Their whole reason the industry works is because the adults. So it's not because of the kids. It, a lot of kids play games, but the the amount of esports tournaments and stuff that I've ran, there's an age limit, 18 years old or above, and you get a thousand people participating in there. That they're not. It's not kids, but it can still be weird if you walk your kid. I mean, honestly speaking, but you walk your kid into a shop and there's 15 adults sitting around, and you're starting to kind of wonder because you. Like you were saying earlier, you have this idea that, oh, this is some, I mean, honestly speaking, some basement dweller that just plays video games. That's not the case at all. It's somebody who's just doing something they enjoy. And there's 
there's no real harm and there's opportunity for people to all have fun together. And so it's just, it's getting rid of a lot of these stigmas and a lot of these ideals around what gaming used to be seen as and kind of bring it, bring it to the current times and, and seeing that whether people realize it or not, everyone does some kind of gaming to some level, whether it's you're coming home and playing on console, you're playing on your phone, you're especially phones. The gaming is, is so widespread and done by so many and enjoyed by so many to try and place label within this industry is just kind of silly. And so it, it's helping people to understand the situations and what's going on and then what to do when you have a concern, when you're worried about something, who can you talk to those type of things. Exactly. So, and then if you're, if you're affected by that as well, like you said, the, we have survivors and stuff. If something happens, we've all had that, you feel shame, you feel embarrassed, or and it's it's not your fault, and it's helping you to understand and giving you opportunities of people that you can go to to get assistance. So it's not something that you're you're impacted by your entire life and dealing with. And that's where Nature of Sound comes in and works so well with Safe Haven that if there are certain experiences, Nature of Sound has all these resources to help survivors. Or if you have a friend that needs help or a parent is concerned about another child that maybe isn't theirs, but there's a lot of different ways we can address things and make sure that they're taken care of properly. So again, there's no witch hunt going on or something's not being misunderstood. And if it is misunderstood, there's an opportunity to educate there. Like, well, why is this going on? Well, this is actually what it is. It's not what you think. So it's, it's kind of bringing a truth to a lot of matters while keeping the the priority of everything in perspective so and I, I really i'm glad you mentioned about resources for survivors because on our next deep dive we'll be actually having dr michael flynn who created metahab which is basically the scientific method to overcoming trauma it, ident it kind of evaluates how survivors from various different forms of trauma have come to turn it into a strength. And so she calls it post-traumatic growth. And it's, it's really remarkable. And that will be on February 28th. And we'll be discussing what her program does with Nature of Sound and how we help survivors become empowered. So really excited for that talk. And of course, next Wednesday. Not next Wednesday, but the 6th of March, Jesse and I will be back talking about more Safe Haven. So really hope you guys tune in. It's just a pleasure getting to talk to you as always, Jesse. Um, Pleasure's all mine. Really thrilled just to kind of start this podcast with you. Absolutely, but I look forward to it more. Awesome, man. You guys take care and uh, thanks for listening. Have a great one. Cheers.